Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Good y'all and welcome to In the Deep, a deep league-focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White and I'm joined here once again by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzy Weber. Schwebzy, how are we doing this week, buddy? Hi, friends. I'm bad, Jordan. Do you want to know why I'm bad? I would love to know why you're bad. Because this was supposed to be our week off. Yeah, it was. It was supposed to be our week off and yet here we are again. I- I wish I had someone to blame. You're looking at him right now. Right? <laughs> You're looking at him right in his peepers. Folks, uh, this was uh, this episode uh, was supposed to go out last week. Ba- basically, what happened was we were we were recording. We were about 45, 50 minutes into the recording. It was 52, the, it was 52 uh, minutes into the recording, if I remember not that right. Anyone, not that anyone was tracking. Um, and at, at about 52 minutes, Jordan goes to me, heck. Schwebzy, my recording stopped, and I, he didn't say "heck." Just, just to be clear, yeah, it was uh, many, many, many different words. But because Schwebzy, my recording stopped at fourteen minutes. It's because I, I think I figured it out. It was because I tried to switch outputs in the middle of the episode because my 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 earbuds were dying because we had been at it for a while and I had not had them. I mean, they they were not fully charged, which is also on me, but. Uh, so, dying, but so I switched over to my headphones in the middle of the episode, and I just didn't think that something might have happened in that time, which means that, of course, uh, for the first time, I think in 88 episodes, that was that was the time that we uh, basically threw away an entire episode. But do you know what that means, though? That I, I thought we went through that with that. We, we don't get to take a week well, off. Well, well, yeah, yeah, of course, there is that. But what, what it means for, for like our legacy, for, for our, our catalog... There's a lost in the deep episode. Oh, that's true. There is. There's there's a B side. There's like there's like a forbidden tape. It's just Schwebzy talking to himself. <laughs> it's it's fifty two it minutes of me talking to myself. No, but there, there, I mean, if we edited if we edited it together, it would be fourteen minutes of an episode, followed by another thirty thirty five minutes of me talking to myself. Thirty five minutes of mouth noises. Just. <laughs> Yeah. No, uh, God, I, yeah, I felt real bad about that last week. That was not fun. Uh, this, this it's, so yeah, it basically was... like along with our, our regular sponsors, I don't even know who our regular sponsors are, if I'm being quite honest, but, uh, this week's episode also, also brought to you by incompetence on my part. <laughs> uh, so thank you to incompetence for sponsoring the show this week. We appreciate it. Uh, but yes, uh, I'm a, I'm a frequent, frequent user of incompetence. Uh, honestly one of my most used products truly uh but i'm I'm not just a customer i'm the president (laughs) i'm the c i'm the cfo (laughs) uh 
Anyways. Yeah, so we're actually going to be covering a lot of the pokes that we are going to be talking about last week, um, including doing our deep dives on some players. Uh, Schwabzi, let's kick it off with your deep dive with someone who came back after the All-Star break here and had himself a nice start, and that's Mickey Moniak. Yes. Uh, and this this segue, this lead-in, worked a lot better last week. It did. Yeah. But uh, last week when I wrote this, it was draft season, so it was kind of fun that Mickey Moniak mm. was a, a, a thing, since Moniak is kind of famously a draft bust so far in his young career. He went first overall to the Phillies back in 2016. Uh, don't, by the way, don't let anyone tell you that 2016 was eight, seven, eight years ago. I, I refuse to believe that. It feels like it was five years or or less, and I refuse to acknowledge the passage of time. Uh, after getting drafted, Moniak was pretty good in rookie ball and then put up below average seasons at A ball and high A before being just okay in double A and then below average in AAA over the course of his first six minor league seasons. He showed some signs of life surrounding broken bones in both hands, which is not fun for a hitter, I imagine, in 2022, before being traded from the Phillies to the Angels. But by the end of 2022, he had had a few cups of coffee in the majors, and in those 167 plate appearances, he had a 40% strikeout rate, over 30 and a 32 wrc plus suffice to say the bust label was looming but this year has happened fun fun fact this year is happening uh 2023 has been a different story altogether otherwise we would not be talking about mickey moniak at all uh this year he has casually put up a 167 wrc plus which ranks fifth in all of baseball among hitters with at least 100 plate appearances. Fifth. Five. <laughs> single digit. One number. Five. He is one point behind Jordan freaking Alvarez. Just completely unexpected stuff out of Mickey. <laughs> I, can't, I cannot take a human being named Mickey seriously, I don't think. Would you, would you, say, would you say that Mickey has been so fine it blows your mind? It's no, no, that's not the one. It's the mouse that gets me. Oh, oh boy. Yeah, that one. I cannot take a human being named Mickey seriously. Sorry, there's a red Especially- dot on my forehead. Some from Disney is having me assassinated right now for using that voice yeah. on a podcast. If, if this was ESPN, you wouldn't be allowed to do that. <laughs> it's true. Uh, <laughs> this is now the, uh, the fifth time that we have brought up, or I have brought up Mickey Moniak this year. And I'm not going to lie, I have been waiting for the other shoe to drop this entire time since he, like, popped at the start of the year. Mostly what would happen in those previous episodes is I would look at his batting line and go, wow, Moniac has been awesome. And then I would look at his underlying numbers and go, LMAO, there is no way that lasts. How do you you verbalize LMAO? Is it LMAO? It's it's LMAO. Gotta be LMAO. It is LMAO, for sure. I, I I don't think I could take myself seriously if I said Lamau unironically. Uh, the the reason I wanted to do a little bit of a more granular look at Moniac this week is because, as you may have heard, Mike Trout just underwent surgery for a fractured hamate bone in his left hand and is looking at a recovery time somewhere between four and eight weeks. I think that that's probably uh, another two to six weeks at this point. Yeah, 
meaning Moniac is about to get all the playing time he can handle to prove whether he's for real or not. He has started every game since Trout's injury. Uh, I didn't update this from last week, but he had hit first, first, and third uh, up until a week, games a week ago. Can you look that up while I'm talking? And uh, the real yes. test is going to be what the Angels do with Moniac when they start facing some lefties, because he has only gotten 11 plate appearances against lefties so far this year. He has sat in four of their last six games against lefties, and it's going to be interesting to see how they treat him now with Trout out. Uh, there might be something to their lack of faith, since in those 11 plate appearances, he has exactly zero hits, which is fewer than you want as a hitter. But we can hope that if he starts getting more plate appearances, he might get, you know, like one or two hits, which is better than zero. Uh, all right, I've got it in front of he's, me now. He's been first, first, third, third, and then hitting fourth uh, today when we're recording this on Friday the 14th. So, yeah. So he, he's basically just taking Trout's spot. Correct. You'd love to see it. M- Mickey At Mo- least from a, Mickey Moniak doing his best Mike Trout impersonation. Basically, currently. basically, Mickey, basically Mike Trout Moniak, as he will now be known. Uh, and just as a spoiler, and to get it out of the way up front... I don't really believe in what Moniac is doing right now. He's getting really lucky in basically all of the ways that a hitter can get lucky. His Woba minus X Woba is top 10 in baseball. So it follows that he's got huge gaps in all of his other X stats as well. He's got a 97th percentile BABIP, a 91st percentile home run to fly ball rate ratio, 95th percentile line drive rate. And all of these are really like blinking red signs for impending regression i was actually doing a trivia question in the pitcherless discord server uh, about moniac and his ridiculous wrc plus and i wound up talking to friend of pitcherless and former host of dugout study hall alexander chase i was talking to him about moniac and some choice quotes from alexander Imagine if his 44 to 4 strikeout to walk rate could sustain this production. This is the selliest of all sell highs. Wow. And folks, sort by line drive percentage to figure out who to sell high on. It's not really that simple, but wow. Multiple wows from uh, from Chase. The the plate discipline as he mentioned is a glaring red flag here. Among batters who have seen at least 100 pitches, Mickey Moniak has the seventh highest chase rate at 48%. That is really, really not good. He's chasing more often than Javier Baez, who is the gold standard of waving at bad pitches. On top of that, when swinging at pitches inside the zone, Moniak has a well below at below league average contact rate. That's just an abysmal combination, and I'm kind of surprised he's only striking out 31.6% of the time. And of course, he he had another three hits today. So, you know, of course, the, the, the good luck streak continues right now. But I just, I, I don't believe it lasts. His, his slash line is 100% going to plummet. But I do think he can salvage some counting numbers because he's been hitting in great lineup spots, as we mentioned. He's got all the opportunity he can handle right now. And when he does hit the ball, he's putting a major charge into it. If you're if you're going to hit the ball infrequently and chase a lot, 
the the one way that you can make up for that is by hitting the heck out of it when you do. His barrel rate is 19th in baseball, and that's what you want for dingers. He's also hitting a ton of fly balls. He's at 47% uh, fly ball rate, which is 97th percentile in baseball. And about 35% of the fly balls he hits, he pulls, which isn't among the league leaders, but it is plenty if you're looking to get to your power. Something that's weird uh, about his production is that he's got a bunch of barrels, but not that many hard-hit balls overall. Like, that's something that I actually need to, like, look into. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, not on podcast time. It's like, is there, like, like, it, like percentage of hard-hit balls that are barrels? Like, is, is there anything to that? Like, does that is that, like, a luck thing or what? I don't know. I need to look into it. But... I, I do think that there's a, a solid chance that his production just completely craters. And I think that is more likely than his crazy run keeping up for, you know, more than another couple weeks. Moniac actually hit his 10th home run of the year while I was writing this last week, which is always fun. Uh, after he hit that 10th home run on, twi- on Twitter, Brent McGuire, who is a writer and researcher for MLB, formerly of The Athletic, pointed out that Moniak is absolutely crushing pitches in the heart of the plate this year. You can make an argument that Moniak has been the most productive hitter in baseball on pitches in the heart of the plate this year. Crushing mistakes regularly will, per, will probably prevent him from being a compl- like completely valueless hitter, even if he is far from a complete hitter. There are some silver linings here. I don't I don't want to be a complete negative Nancy about Moniac. Like mainly the stupid number of fly balls and the opportunity. From a rest of season perspective per perspective, I I think you're hoping for like Joey Gallo esque production. But like maybe a little a little bit more batting average than Joey Gallo and less OBP. You know, a, a Joey Gallo without the walks is not a super good player, but he might hit some home runs for you. You know what? Uh, Eugenio Suarez. I think that I think that's my comp for him. Like two twenty, two thirty, two twenty, two thirty with power. I I wish I had nicer things to say about Moniac because I have him in a couple of leagues. I've been trying to ride the hot streak, but I kind of have to call it like I see it, and I am expecting a flame out here over time. I'm just hoping the strikeout. The I'm hoping <laughs> Freudian slip. Uh, I I'm hoping that the uh, hot streak can last a bit longer and that I can profit before, you know, he the, his strikeout rate gets even higher or just you know comes back to bite him more often. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty much in the same boat here with Moniac. Uh, I think that I'm kind of like you. I would. I mean, obviously the the opportunity for the next probably I would say four weeks is like. Yeah, split the difference on the yeah, on the return. Like right around there, you can expect probably close to a month more where he's going to have ample opportunity to get at bats in that lineup, and also in a prime lineup spot with how he's been hitting as of late. Um, that in and of itself is valuable. Uh, that's something that we talk about a lot on this pod specifically. I think that I'm down for rostering Moniac. I don't have him currently in any leagues, uh, which is kind of a bummer because it'd be nice to have some shares with how he's been hitting lately. Um, but yeah, completely agree with you on. Uh, 
there, there's a lot of signs pointing to him hitting that stretch of regression and it, it just it just feels like we're waiting for the other shoe to drop so i yeah but in the meantime he's going to get you those counting stats he's going to get those at bats in uh and that volume is super valuable for us in deep leagues uh so i love this one here so something that bears monitoring over the next few weeks while trout is out is how uh joe adele performs yes because if Adele flames out once again, speaking of busts, uh, then Moniac's playing time might just hold steady once Trout comes back. Because Moniac was playing plenty before Trout went down. It's just now there's no reason to ever sit him, really. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Uh, and then we're going to be back right after this ad break with my deep dive. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we're back. So, uh... I had trouble when reviewing the players rostered at 20% or less finding someone who I was super excited about. Um, I will say that there was some other names here because I wanted to do a pitcher instead of a hitter since Schwabzy covered Mickey Moniak. Uh, so I thought about a couple different names. I know that someone like uh, Tommy Henry was one that kind of piqued my interest in his contact suppression. His numbers so far in Arizona have been decent, especially as of late. Um, but I ended up settling on J.P. Sears. Uh, so this is pretty convenient because Alex Fast also had an episode of the Alex Fast show where he talked about J.P. Sears at length. So if you want like an even deeper dive on Sears, I highly recommend that you go and listen to that episode uh, released on the same day that this episode would have been recorded on uh, last week. Uh, so definitely go and check that out. But uh, J.P. Sears has a positive grade on his four-seamer and his slider uh, by PLV, though the PLV does lump his slider and his sweeper, which he throws both together. Uh, so I'm curious which of those is actually better by PLV. Uh, and then his stuff plus is below average on all of his pitches, but his location plus, and if you look at his uh, heat maps, this does bear out, is above average on pretty much every single one of his offerings. Uh He's also had improved command here in 2023 compared to 2022. Uh, last year, he had a walk rate right around 8%, which was just pretty close to league average, 40th percentile. Um, this year, it's gone all the way down to 5.2, which puts him in the 91st percentile. So that's always super duper awesome. Um, he also has an improved chase rate from last year to this year. So last year, he was in the 18th percentile in the league. This year, 80th percentile. So uh, looks a lot better in terms of his ability to get hitters to chase at bad pitches. Um, and I think that kind of leads really nicely into the fact that he's actually gotten some decent improvements in terms of contact suppression. Uh, 
but also at the same time, kind of not. Um, that chase rate, I think, helps attribute to the fact that he has decreased hard hit rates, uh, 61st percentile from 12th last year, and then a decreased average exit velocity. He's gone all the way from 7th percentile in the league, which is terrible, like giving up hard contact left and right, all the way up to 67th percentile. So good jumps there. Um, The downside is, though, that he has this increased home run to fly ball rate. So he was about 9.2% home run to fly ball uh, percentage. That's jumped all the way up to 12.7, which is pretty crazy to think about, considering that the Coliseum is his home stadium. You would think someone that has that as their stadium that they're pitching approximately half their games in would fare a bit better in the home run to fly ball department, but he's actually been doing much worse this season. Um, And he's also still just giving up way too many barrels. He's never been great in terms of that. He's only in the seventh percentile this year in terms of barrels given up. So he does give up a lot of hard contact at uh, less than ideal launch angles. Um, It's just the home run to fly ball rate also hurts a ton more because he's currently got literally the highest fly ball rate in Major League Baseball among starting pitchers with at least 80 innings pitched. Uh, And while this seems like luck, that barrel rate tells me that it's less bad luck than one might infer otherwise. So that home run to fly ball rate, not great that he's uh, having that happen at the same time that he's giving up more fly balls than he's ever given up in his career. Um, So when I was doing this write-up, I was thinking that I very, very, very much have a type uh, and it's like Homer prone lefties with sky high fly ball rates. Uh, and to take a page out of Schwebzy's book, the way that I see JP Sears is that he's a lot like Andrew Heaney. He's just got a better walk rate, but worse results on his fastball. And that's which makes it so ironic that I like Sears because I, I hate Heaney. I know I hate Heaney have, so much. And they have they have so much in common too. That's the thing because uh, they're both they're also both uh, really they have very very low vertical approach angles otherwise known as like flat fastballs which means that uh they're i mean this is without taking gravity into account but like he has one of the flatter fastballs and a lot of these guys end up being guys who have high fly ball rates um and typically can give up pretty like or at least decent enough at giving up hard contact um but it's just it's just been really, really bad luck for Sears to a certain extent, but uh, I think that he could possibly do a better job at locating the four-seamer and elevating it a bit more, considering how flat it is, and get more pop-ups as opposed to these like absolute tanks that he's been giving up. Um, he did add that sweeper this year, which is something worth noting. He threw it, I, well, they had one pitch last year registered as a sweeper for him, um, so he was throwing a slider, curveball, change-up four-seamer last year. He sw- completely dumped that curveball and switch to the sweeper and now throws a slider too. Um, the slider, although it's been pretty limited in use, has had really, really solid results. Uh, sub 200 batting averages to both left and right handed hitters uh, gives up not terribly hard contact. The sweeper, it's, it's very weird. Sears throws his sweeper a ton to opposite handed hitters, which is a huge bugaboo that I know like a lot of people in the fantasy community and like the pitching analysis community have i know like Eno saris released an article probably about a week ago a week and change ago about that uh specifically um i think schwebzy you read that and you can probably speak more to it but um yeah the sweeper is one of the most platoon heavy pitches like you you don't you don't want to throw it against uh opposite hand hitters yeah exactly so i mean 
Or is it same hand? God, I forget. I'm blanking. To opposite-handed hitters. Because, like, lefty versus righty. Okay. Yeah, you don't want to use it against, like, le- le- lefty versus righty or righty versus lefty, so on and so forth. Um, You're asking me to remember something that I read literally a whole week ago. You're welcome. <laughs> this is all just a, all just a ploy to uh, make sure. My, gold, my goldfish like brain. <laughs> my goldfish brain doesn't work that way. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to to drop that on you but uh <laughs> one thing that i do hope he does i mean he I, I looked at his last start he had a really good last start uh right before the all-star break against uh, the red Sox. five innings pitched one earned run uh only i think three strikeouts four strikeouts or sorry no it was five strikeouts and uh three walks given up so he did regress a bit in the walk column there uh results were good he only got like i think it was it, it was like an insanely low number of whiffs I really want to go look this up real quick. Um, it was on the ninth, so let me just find this real quick. I swear this will be fast. Um, yeah, so he threw... eighty nine pitches. Uh, guess how many total whiffs he had over eighty nine pitches thrown? Twenty eight five. That's not ideal. He had f- I was hoping it was good. No, it was not good. It was very bad. He had a C- <laughs> he had a, he he had a one run outing where he had a CSW of seventeen. Yeah, that's not good. Either. Yeah, when you're allowing a lot of balls in play, like if you're allowing like less than ideal contact, like if it was a lot of pop ups, cool, great, fantastic. Um, a lot of fly ball outs, whatever. Um, there is a lot of variance and a lot of like cherry bombiness in that type of profile where you're allowing that many balls in play he's not a big like he is a chase rate guy he does get a lot of chase as compared to previous seasons he's not a big mm-hmm. swing and miss guy he's been allowing a lot of out of zone contact which helps like those like i said those those uh contact suppression numbers like that's why his average exit velocity has decreased the way it has probably because hitters are swinging at worse pitches but still making contact mm-hmm. um so i think that there is encouraging things about jp sears uh, I think that adding the sweeper, obviously a solid thing to have against left-handed hitters as a lefty. Um, I think for him, the biggest thing is just making sure that he's continually locating that fastball up in the zone. Um, and then f- he really needs to find more swing and miss in his game. I just don't think that there's enough there as of now for him to really take that next step. Um, he's sitting right around like 22% strikeout rate, which is I think pretty close to league average if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, so I do like him as a streamer against weaker offenses, but I can't say I'm particularly high on him in terms of his outlook as like a big strikeout guy. He could be decent for ratios. Uh, and if that's what you need in terms of like, if you just need someone who's gonna be able to like stabilize your whip, I think that Sears could be totally fine for that. Yeah, I mean, you know I'm a, I'm a Sears guy. I dig the way he gets whiffs like up and down his repertoire. I I mean, I've told you he's he frustrates me because I expect him to be like really good at home and he just he's kind of been like an identical pitcher on the in on the road and at home, which is weird. As I say, are you looking at his splits right now cuz I was about to look those up out of curiosity. No, but I remember talking about it last week. Okay. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, classic. Let's see. Home versus away. Yeah. The fun I mean, one of the fun parts about like using similar notes to last week is trying to remember what bits and asides that we did during last week's recording. Yeah. 
Home versus away. I, you know, home versus. I will away. forever believe. Oh, go ahead, Jordan. I will forever believe that last week, that was going to be our best episode. It won't. Be. No, it was not ever. I can guarantee it was going to be. Can, it was. This, you can't prove that. This is not me trying to make us feel better in any. Capacity. You can't prove that with your 14 minutes of audio, Jordan. I think I just did. <laughs> yeah. Uh no. Uh, but if you had to guess home versus away this year, uh, JP Sears in terms of ERA, what do you think he's at? He he's had one start since I looked at it, but I, I'm pretty sure it was like three nine five to four four oh five. Like it was within like point one three nine two last time three nine two at home four oh one away. Boom yeah. within point one. Yeah, so uh, pretty pretty much the same. Yeah, uh, I was really hoping that um, pitching in the Coliseum would be better for his profile, but it really hasn't been like higher, bat- yeah. higher batting average, uh, similar amount of home runs given up. Um, but actually that's kind of crazy to think about. He's actually given up more home runs per inning pitched at home than he has away. So weird. That's really weird. Huh? Anyways. Uh, all right. We're going to be back right after this ad break with our league wide roundup. All right. And we are back. So, Let's kick it off here with the NL East and Miami. Uh, I want to start with Garrett Cooper. So he has a couple home runs since I snagged him uh, two fab periods ago now in TGFBI. And he's been really nice filler while I wait for Brandon Jury to return from the IL. He's been great. Uh, he's still obviously one of our favorites. We've talked about Garrett Cooper a ton. Uh, and it seems like he is coming around, and especially in terms of power as of late. I'm wondering if his performances as of late are going to force me to keep him around uh, i would have to look at what he did today um if there is anything notable let's see because i didn't actually look at his stats for today yeah i updated that blurb for you you did <laughs> oh thanks bud yeah he went over four today with three strikeouts Ooh. okay well not ideal yeah like when he ah. when he was when he was struggling, his strikeout rate was like higher than I've ever seen it. So I mean, that's a little concerning, but he—I I think he's back on track. Yeah. It's—I mean, it's one, it's one game right after the All Star break. I'm not going to put too much stock into that, right. obviously. But. Like I know I've I've re-added him in a couple of leagues because he's when he's going good, he's a really solid bat. Yeah, excellent. Uh, all right, what about Gene Segura, Schwebs? Yeah, it's been kind of a nightmare season for Segura. Like Miami acquired him. Like they have a whole like idiom going where it's like we're gonna slap the ball around, we're gonna hit a bunch of singles and like be exciting, and it, that just hasn't worked with Segura. Like, but after a recent IL stint, he kind of sort of looks like himself over the past couple of weeks. He's hitting three forty four in July, which is you know obviously BABIP inflated, but that's kind of his thing is to have a decent batting average and you know solid BABIPs because he just slaps the ball around with with not much power so i mean maybe he can return to form i i haven't added him anywhere myself i'm not sure that i intend to but when segura is going well like he he is uh worth rostering as a middle infielder yeah totally agreed um lots of value to be provided there and usually he's gonna be hitting in a decent enough lineup spot where he's gonna provide value there too so i dig that um all right Shubs, your favorite segment of the week, or least favorite, depending on how the week has gone. Uh, talking about the New York Mets, uh, started off with David Peterson. So, I had a lot to say about David Peterson 
mainly based around his suddenly elite ground ball rates. Like he used to be a slider guy, like slider and slider only. That was his whole thing. And then he lost his slider. And now all of a sudden he's a 60% ground ball guy, which can work if he can maintain that. Uh, but he is now a reliever. Uh, it looks like Jose Quintana is back. So mm-hmm. I have no interest in Peterson anymore as a reliever, but I'm not going to forget this if a rotation spot does open back up because if Peterson, you know, as, as a lefty getting 60% ground balls, like that's a, that, that's an interesting skill set. Uh, he was walking too many guys, but I, I don't, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, Peterson is just an enigma to me. Yeah. Like he's been, he's been a different pitcher entirely from last year and to, to varying degrees of success. Uh, I mentioned Quintana coming back. That can actually be interesting. I don't know that I would add him immediately unless you're desperate for pitching. If you're desperate for pitching, then by all means, uh, give him a preemptive ad, but he is, he, he threw the maximum amount of rehab starts because I, I guess the Mets were trying to see what they had or trying to stretch him out. But uh, in in his minor league time this year, he threw, let's see, what is this? This is four starts with, I, uh, Fangrass won't let me add it together, but uh, he threw 15.2 innings and looks to looks like he was striking out a good amount of batters, walking few oh god he walked a bunch in triple a but i don't know i he's a veteran pitcher he's 34 i can't imagine i think he'll be fine (laughs) (laughs) i i I think he's gonna be fine but again it's the mess we're talking about so like who knows like will he be the 2.93 era pitcher of last year probably not but it is a good ballpark in theory it's a good lineup behind him it's just in God in Queens, just nothing ever works out the way you expect it to. Last year, Quintana also put up a 5.3% home run to fly ball rate. And I would promise you that that is not going to repeat this year. Uh, you know, looking at you, Justin Verlander. Oof. So yeah, I, I don't really, I, I, I would probably expect Quintana to pitch more in line with his, ERA estimators from last year, which he put up a 386x ERA, a 372 FIP, and I, I would expect his numbers to be more in line with that than the uh, sub three ERA he actually put up. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think we can move on from the Mets. Done with the Mets? Yeah. All right, cool. I mean, not cool. I'm, I'm glad. I- you know what I mean. I would. I would. I wish I could move on from the Mets, Jordan. <laughs> I, I know you do. I really know you do. Uh, all right, let's go to Philadelphia. Talk about. Uh, I think this was you, Shubsy. Brandon Marsh. Eh, who knows? Yeah, he, he was on a hot. He was. He was on a hot streak. He has since cooled off. He doesn't have enough power or speed to be like truly worth rostering when he's not like on a hot streak. I don't think. But he is still on the strong side of a platoon role in center field for Philly, so the playing time should be there. It's just a matter of if you're willing to deal with the pretty much nothing that that he does when uh, when he's not going hot. Yeah. Um, I think I'm probably out on Marsh 
I think there's better options out there for outfield. But again, I am. Um, I, I have no shares. I don't really plan on. I like. I don't. And when I see him out there, I'm never like, oh man, gotta gotta get Marsh. Yippee! Gotta get that. Uh, gotta get the swamp thing for sure. Um, no, I'm never like that either. Uh, one person that I actually am interested in from the Phillies is Christopher Sanchez. Uh, I did pick him up in TGFBI a couple fab periods ago, and I'm not terribly disappointed with the results so far. He's been doing a really, really excellent job limiting hard contact and free passes. Uh, well, I mean, hard contact aside from today when he gave up two homers against the Padres. Uh, even still, like with that start today, it was five innings pitched with only three hits and a single walk. Like, I mean, that's he's been excellent in terms of whip so far. I'm super into him as a streamer. I mean... He's got a very, very, very good changeup that I'm into a lot. Um, it's got like a, I think like a 31.1% CSW right now, which is like top 15, 20% of the league. Something like that in terms of changeups. Uh, super good results so far. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm super into the profile. Uh, and for me, especially like, as far as like streamers off the wire, there's usually a lot of lumps that are included with these guys. And a lot of them are giving up a ton of walks or a lot of hard contact. You're not really seeing either from Sanchez. So uh, I think that he's probably one of the better streamers that are available right now. And I was looking at a box score while you were talking. Yeah. And did you know that ESPN's baseball box scores don't include walks for pitchers? Oh, we've had this conversation before for sure. Yes. Yeah. I How did, insane is I, that? I did know that, and it's very dumb and stupid. How insane is it to not include walks for pitchers? ESPN, it's like one of the... I mean, I feel like we're taking a lot of shots at the ESPN slash Disney family, but a pox on you and your family, Mickey Mouse. The worldwide leader in sports, except if you actually know anything about sports. Oh, dear. Like, once again, I, I see a red dot on my forehead as I sit <laughs> here. Um... <laughs> uh bob Iger is calling calling the shots right now <laughs> uh anyways bob Iger, pay your writers and also add walks to your box God, scores yes p- please pay your writers speaking of which yeah this is a pro writer and pro actor uh podcast just so just so it's clear i don't think that really matters for anyone except for maybe us and a few of our friends but yeah that's what side we're on here um uh all right let's go to the washington nationals and uh cj abrams schwebsy CJ Abrams has been on a tear and it's it's basically all been based on um his his like base running aggressiveness he has five steals in his last four games which is a you know if you're if you're unaware uninitiated with with steals that's good we like that we we like when hitters run uh he has so since June 19th he's got eight steals and during that time frame, he's also hitting 349 with seven extra base hits and 11 runs scored. Pretty, like, really nice across the board production. It's easy to forget since he's been kind of underwhelming to start his career, but CJ Abrams was like a top five prospect in baseball not long ago. Yeah, two, three years and ago. And he is, he is still a baby. He is, he, he's very young. So there's plenty of time for him to, you know, grow into some more power, get better just you know in, in general get better at baseball he's uh he's not even 23 yet so you know there's and it's a good ballpark too for power it's a bad lineup so i don't think the counting stats are going to be that great but he's currently on pace for like a solid like 15 25 season 
you know if the the batting average is not what i hoped for but yeah it's it's not a bad little season he's having when you said he's just a baby all i could think of was like fred armison in broad city yes i'm just a baby i don't have any power (laughs) uh right and then let's go to the nl central and talk about the cubs real quick uh nick madrigal um shrubsy i can't remember if this is you or i that wrote about madrigal but basically i think it's like do you like batting average a little bit of speed and literally nothing else (laughs) well if you you that sounds like me if you answered yes to all those questions you can ride the Nick Magical Babbitt roller coaster. That was absolutely And me. you just need to be taller than him to ride it. <laughs> Which isn't hard. Sorry, Nick Magical. That's unnecessary. I don't know why I did that. But uh, As a fellow short king, how dare you? Dog, I'm like average height. What are you talking about? Just because uh, I'm just, six I'm six I'm six just, three, man. Just because I'm the twi- looking like a short king to me. Just because I'm the twink of the friend group doesn't mean you have to call me short, dude. <laughs> Like, can we say that? Can we say that? Yeah, I can say that. You can. <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, Shrubsy, what about Jamison Tyon? He has looked legitimately really good over his last couple of starts. I I remember back when we were doing our preseason starting pitcher preview, our good buddy Mikey Ahedo told us to keep an out keep an eye out for Tyon based on some off season work that he had done, and I mean. Where we're, I think we're all just hoping that this is Tyone finally coming through on that promise. Yeah, but actually, I, I really, because I don't like to pay attention, I don't like to give any attention to the Chicago Cubs as a Brewers fan. <laughs> so it's I actually fair. haven't like seen much of what Tyone has done lately. Um, I do know that that offense has been much better as of late, including Cody Bellinger, which is exciting to see. It's it's kind of cool that you see Cody Bellinger having his kind of like resurgence at the same time that Yelich is also kind of getting back into form. I think that's a fun little subplot for the NL Central. I, I have a hard time. Like, is that is that just a Midwest thing? Because I have a hard time disliking the Cubs, even when they're good. I mean, it's it's a Cubs Brewers thing. It's a rivalry thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I I'm, actually, I'm sure I, they're hated by. I have nothing against the Chicago Cubs like themselves, the team. I just like some some fans and the behaviors okay, that I've seen exhibited. And this is to be clear, this is not all Cubs fans. I understand that. I've. Plenty yes, of, is. plenty of, fr- all of you, I, I, every last I one. I have multiple friends who are Cubs fans. It's just some some people have spoiled and soiled the only, Cubs for me. Only Sith and final and, and and fantasy analysts deal in absolutes. Oh my god, you're the worst. Uh, all right, let's go to the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, Will Benson, um, it, he's basically been getting everyday playing time since the 27th yep. of June. Correct, and he has responded with an absolute monster batting line and i'm buying wherever i can right now he's got power he's got speed he has even started two of the last four versus lefties which is where he was sitting the most previously and that like that's just a really great development for his playing time the team is exciting he's on a hot streak so i'm 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 very all in on benson i think i've added him in at least two leagues he had another hit today he was one for three against the against the brewers again um yeah he's looked really really good and and corbin corbin burns was like on fire today he was yeah corbin burns had 13 strikeouts and six innings pitched i don't know if you saw uh but corbin burns also in the fifth inning walked off the back of the mountain like squatted down like he was about to pass out and they stopped the game for seven minutes this is a complete aside but yeah that was very scary 
in the middle of out of he may have just been having an out of body experience because this performance was very unlike him this year. He was pitching out of his mind to the point where it manifested physically. Yeah, it was very good. Uh, all right, let's go to Joey Votto Schwebs. So you you may have heard Joey Votto bangs. He does, and he is currently barreling up plenty of baseballs since coming off the IL. If he's available in any league with the corner infield spot, I am adding him. Just that's it. Full stop. Uh, he's a bit more three true outcome than he used to be, at least so far. But he is hitting the ball with more authority than pretty much any other point in his career. He's basically at a career high in ex Wobicon. So he's, you know, just he's when he hits the ball, he is impacting it just at an elite rate. I think he's just trying to impress all the kids on his team. You know, I think he's like the cool dad now. He is. He, and he's he just is, he, swinging out of his he shoes. Is, he he's is, like, I can hit taters too. He's the Steve Buscemi. What's up, fellow kids of baseball? Or how do you do fellow yeah. kids? He's just like, I want to fit in. I want to hit fit in with the kids and hit some dingers. The kids don't want to see me walk and, you know, get on base 40% of the time. They want to see they want to see me hit some dingers. Absolutely. Uh, one person he could hit a bunch of dingers off of is his teammate, Graham Ashcraft, probably. Uh, Ashcraft is such an interesting case. Um, his final line in his last start before today, uh, also another good start, uh, looked okay, but... He's got like a 166 whip. Or had a 166 whip in that last start, uh, even though the final line looked good. Um, I'm still worried about blow up risk with Ashcraft, obviously not against a anemic offense like the Brewers. Um, but I'm likely going to be fading him for the most part moving forward. I know we talked about this, I think I think it was before we recorded, but we were looking at like the stuff plus leaderboards. And Ashcraft is like way up there. Yeah. Stuff plus, which is weird considering how much contact he seems to give up. Um, Location plus was bad. Yeah. So, which do, does go part of the way towards explaining that. Yeah. So, a lot to a lot to unpack. Um, but we shall we shall see. Um, all right, let's go to Milwaukee then too on the other side of this series that's happening right now. Uh, talk about Colin Ray. So I don't know where this has really come from, but I'm really happy that some of these filler pieces in the rotation for the Brewers have come through at various times. Um, he's looked pretty stellar in his last few starts, aside from his last start against Cincinnati right before the All-Star break where he got lit up. Um, the two starts before that, he had just three earned runs, uh, both six-plus inning outings, which was awesome. Um, that said, the outing against the Mets was pretty fluky, and I think the outing versus Pittsburgh involved Go a figure. lot of really fortunate Babbitt luck. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. You, you understand at this point, if you have not accepted your lot in life, that's not. That's, oh, I that's have. On you. That's on you. Okay. I have. I I know that I'm on the baseball fandom road to hell, but I like, and I'm on buddy, it. Buddy, I'm buddy, you're not on the road to hell. You're in hell. <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 here. I'm, but I'm going to complain the whole time. Okay. You 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 have retired and have re- retired down to hell by being a Mets <laughs> fan. Uh, but yeah, so with Colin Ray, while the results have been good on occasion, I'm still just steering clear here. I think that there's a little bit too much blow up risk. Uh, so I'm going to be fading him. Uh, the other person that I want to talk about too, uh, one that might be kind of exciting, uh, in terms of just like strikeouts, uh, from a relief pitcher is Abner Uribe. So he made his debut against the Reds before the all-star break and looked pretty decent during a two inning outing. Um, he gave up one run in that, uh, two inning outing with, uh, two strikeouts. 
the one run he did give up, and this is going to sound like me doing a lot of justification as to why it's kind of BS, but like he gave up a dribbler single in the infield, which was followed up by an incredibly, incredibly questionable balk call. <laughs> and by that, I mean it was it was just bad. It was a bad balk call by umpire John Tumpain that gave the runner second base. Uh, and that was followed up by another single and then a sack fly. Um, just really, really bad luck for Abner. We're making there. enemies of Disney and the umpires uh, union today. I will. Never mind. I was going to say something very bad and I stopped myself. Uh, <laughs> anyways. Uh, I could never think of something bad to say about the umpires personally. I could never think of something bad to say about the Walt Disney Corporation. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways. Uh, Uribe features a 100-mile-an-hour fastball and sinker, a uh, four-seamer and sinker, with a 91-mile-per-hour like slider cutter that is just really gross. He had a K per nine of over 15, over 23 innings pitched between AA and AAA before he got called up. Walks are a huge issue. Like He gave up a ton in his short stint in AAA. We didn't see one in his debut, which is obviously uh, exciting, but... That's going to be the key to his success. If he can limit walks, even if it's only like three walks or four walks per nine, I think that the ratios are going to be good enough in terms of like the number of strikeouts per nine that he provides that he could have value in like very, very deep leagues. I'm talking like if you need bullpen filler in like an auto new league or anything like that, I think he'd be a good fit. So that's kind of where I'm at. And obviously the stuff is electric. Further down the line, I could possibly see him being a closer. That's the kind of stuff that he has. So um, just wanted to put Abner Uribe on people's radars in case they hadn't heard it already. I mean, I've been I've been talking about Abner Uribe since spring training when he was. Yeah, when he was th- this was a lot gun. cooler. It was a lot cooler when you were going to bring him up right before he got called up. I know he got like he got called up basically immediately after we had he to got, like call off last he, week's episode. He got the phone call literally like an hour after we recorded, tried to record the podcast. It's like they're they're onto us. We got to bring got to bring the kid up was, now. Yeah. So. Um, I'm just really psyched about a 23 year old named Abner. He's not little Abner either. He's he's a big Abner. He's a tall boy, uh, and he throws the ball very very hard. We love big ball. Big, big we love big balls. <laughs> we, love, we love big balls. We love big boys who throw the ball hard. Yeah. <laughs> I killed Schwebs. Anyway. I killed Schwebs. Anyway. Freudian slip, maybe. I don't know. Uh, all right, let's go to Pittsburgh and talk about Nick Gonzalez Schwebs. I, I pretty much shrugged off Gonzalez when he was promoted, since he wasn't really setting the world on fire in AAA, and the skills weren't too, too exciting. But he's actually been kind of nice since debuting. He was the seventh overall pick in 2020, so he has some pedigree. I'm just hoping that some of his plate discipline shows back up because he was a double-digit walk rate guy in the minors and he's only walking 3.4% of the time since hitting the majors. I'm not super high on him, especially his power output, but I'll I'll, I'll ride the hot streak while it lasts. I've added him in a couple of leagues to try to take advantage, but I am ready to cut bait here immediately because I, I just don't... like. So with Moniac, like I mentioned before, I'm expecting a crater, right? But I still think there's going to be some good production in that crater. There's going to be a lot of home runs in that crater. If Nick Gonzalez craters, I don't think there's going to be much fun to be had. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm ready to cut bait quickly here. And on the on the uh, other other side of like the uh, spectrum, the age spectrum, we've got veteran Carlos Santana. 
who's kind of just always floating around the in the deep periphery as someone sort of worth adding since he gets so much playing time. Uh, since June 14th, he's hitting 255 with five home runs, which is, you know, fine. But the real draw here is that after hitting a walk-off, I think it was against the Brewers, right? Shut up. Yes. He had the single greatest home run celebration in the history of home run sellies. Go look it up if you ha- if you didn't see it. It's worth it. You'll thank me. I was so uh, incredibly it, pissed off when he walked off the Brewers with that hit, and I was sitting there just stewing. And then the minute he started dancing in front of home plate, I caught myself smiling, and I was like, damn it. It's one he, of got the, like, on my, he got me on their side for like a hot minute. I knew it was against the Brewers. I just wanted to. Yeah, I, I know. I, I, know I know you did. I know you did. You lived to torture me. I understand. It's fine. Rounding out the NL Central is St. Louis. Don't. God, I hate this. I know. Don't look now. <laughs> but Steven Matz is good again, guys. <laughs> the skills have always been good. And he's managed to still always be bad. But, I mean, are, are you ready to be fooled again? Because I'm, I don't, I say that I'm not ready to be fooled again, yet I'm probably going to add him in places. Because the skills are really good. I, I distinctly remember talking about him leading into this season and talking about his, like, top 30 in baseball strikeout minus walk rate, which is one of the best indicators of a good pitcher. And yet Steven Matz manages to put up those indicators while still not being a good pitcher. I'm, I'm, if, you want a, uh, if you want a high upside play that is very likely to blow up in your face, here you go. Here's your desperation play. I will not be crapping Steven Matz. I'm not that desperate. I will never be that desperate. Uh, oh, but I will. He, I mean, I get it. You're a Mets fan. Makes sense. Um, I hated him on the Mets. God. <laughs> All right, let's go to the NL West. Let's talk about uh, start with Arizona and Tommy Henry. So, I, like I said before, at the top of the episode, I almost talked about, or at the top of my deep dive, I almost talked about Tommy Henry tonight. Uh, essentially, the gist of Henry is that he's been really excellent at suppressing contact by locating his off-speed stuff just absolutely beautifully. Like if you look at his heat maps, they're gorgeous. Um, it also explains why his chase rate, similar to uh, J.P. Sears, is high, but his K percentage isn't. Um, if his command remains strong, I think that he should be at least good enough at mitigating some of the damage that would be done due to the less than stellar like stuff that he has. Uh, and he'd be a good streamer against weaker offenses. So I kind of like Tommy Henry in certain spots. Um, not someone I'm going to pick up and keep on my roster all the time, but I do. I do think Tommy Henry does have his uses. I have a question, Jordan. Yes. This is skipping. This is skipping around. Sure. How do you feel about Mike Ford? What? How do you feel about Mike Ford? He keeps hitting home runs. He just hit another home run off of Alex Lang. Mike Ford, former current? Mariner. Oh, God, he plays for the Mariners now. Uh, Yeah. I guess I hadn't thought about Mike Ford. I know. He's got nine home runs now. Did you know that Mike Ford's an Independence Day baby? No, I just found that out. I just go. I, did did you before five seconds? Instead ago? of typing, so on accident, instead of typing his name into a FanGraphs search bar, I just typed it into Google and just typed in Mike Ford, <laughs> and just saw his birthday. Just just saying, Mike Mike Ford has Mike Ford had a has a one seventy two WRC plus this year. It's absurd. 
How many games has he played? Uh, 31. Okay. Not like a nut. Uh, more than I expected Mike Ford to have played, honestly. But that's, I mean, yeah. How much has he played lately, I guess is the better question. Dude, you know, he he's one of those players who shows up frequently when we're looking at, like, the hot performers of the last couple of weeks. But I always ignore him because it's Mike Ford. But he keeps on doing it. He's like, now that I have finally mentioned him, he will cool off. The old Schwebsy jinx, as it's known. Uh, interesting. I hadn't thought about him at all, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was just thinking, like, b- before I saw that notification that he hit that home run, I was just thinking, like, damn, we are, we're dragging. We're at 55 minutes, and we still have an entire league and division to get through. We better pick up the pace. And then I sidetracked us for another couple minutes with Mike Ford talk. You know what? Because we messed up the episode last week, we just have a longer one this week. This is the this is the penance that we must pay. You're welcome, fans. Yeah, you're welcome. Fan, fan, whatever, how many? To our uh, there may be to our one and only there listener, may... Yancey Eaton. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't mentioned we haven't mentioned Yancey on the podcast yet, so I had to get the obligatory mention in. Um, of course. All right, let's go to Colorado then and Randall Grichuk. It's still so weird to me that he is so heavily under rostered based on his recent performances. He, like, right before the All Star break, before our last episode, he had two more doubles in a game. He's been exhibiting a lot more pop as of late. He continues to hit for average and has a ton of home runs over his last, like, 10, 15 games. I don't know what I need to do. I, he hits in cores most of the time. Like, I don't know how much more of a pitch I need to give people than that. I'm surprised that he's still as under rostered as he is. Um, and I expect that to change within the next week or so. Um, I would actually not be surprised if, because we did put him on the list. Um, before last week's uh, supposed episode. I bet you he has cleared the 20% threshold finally. Nope, Maybe. he is not. He's like 5% rostered. <laughs> that is insane. Why is he only 5% rostered? He He's the kind of player that could go on a second half tear and people will be like, how, like, how was he available yeah, do, when he was available? I do not particularly understand this. Um. But anyways, uh, also uh, for the Rockies, uh, this is your Schwabzi, I believe. Uh, Jerks and Profar. Yeah, Profar was supposed to be a fun sleeper this year, and he has responded to being a fun sleeper by putting up at like an eighty WRC plus this season, making many fantasy analysts very sad. He is on a pretty hot streak over the last 10 games with more walks than strikeouts and he's hitting leadoff or second every day. But on the season, he's got seven home runs plus steals. Yeah. That's just not going to cut it from a fantasy perspective. If he's, he's more of an OBP guy than a batting average guy. So if he's not hitting for average, not hitting for power, not hitting for speed, and he's in a bad lineup, so he's not getting a lot of counting stats. I, I think you see where I'm at here. Yeah. Hard pass. The the classic zero category producer. Yeah. Not particularly interested in Profar. It's like really a bummer because that lineup spot has always been pretty solid for him. God, in theory, it should be like perfect. There should be value there. It's just been high well. OBP guy. Yeah. Yeah. Pro- probably if, if you were to pick him up, it would literally only for me be in an OBP league at this point. I don't think I'm interested in anywhere else. Um, all right, let's go to the Dodgers and David Peralta uh, Schwebs. 
Peralta has now started 12 straight versus righties for LA, and he's been hitting north of 330 if you ignore the first month of the season, which, you know, you can't just forget that April happened, but he has been really, really good for a couple months now. He's He'll give you a nice batting average floor. He's, he's I, I hate this term. I feel like such a boomer when I say this. He's a professional hitter. <laughs> God. Uh, uh, the, the most Mayo man thing to say. <laughs> Anyways, gives me gives me real Lenny Harris vibes for for those of you doing immaculate grids and stuff. Um, he's only he's got two home runs in his last five games, which is hopefully a sign of things to come and not not just a uh, temporarily temporarily temporary power spike. Words are hard. They are. We've done that a lot this episode. I feel like we're a little bit rusty. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not like we didn't rec- try to record an episode last you week. Think, you think with a rehearsal, with a rehearsal, we would do better. <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, uh, we've said many of these words already. I've said at least I've said all of these words at least once before in my life. We'll just put it that way. Anyway, Sark Schwabs. Uh, moving on to San Diego, I'm I'm a noted Trent Grisham stan from earlier this season, but I, I've got to say he's been disappointing to me. He's still walking a lot. It's his best trait other than his defense. But from a fantasy perspective, the the walking is the best trait. And the tools are still there. He's fast. He hits the ball hard. But he's just not putting up the numbers that it feels like he should. And it's largely because he's got a really annoying profile where he hits a lot of pop-ups, he hits a lot of fly balls, and he strikes out a lot. So he's just never, ever going to have a good batting average. Uh, and the the batting average is generally so low that even his strong walk rate can't salvage it for like OBP leagues. That being said, he has put up a really solid stretch. He's hitting ninth every day, but he's getting on base enough for the strong top of the Padres order to drive him in. And since the 18th of June, he's got a 373 OBP with a couple home runs and five steals. Yeah, I am... As a, this is this is also this is a Bofa alert for those that are unaware what a Bofa is. It is a bruisal the friend alert. Um, is that what that is? Yes. It also means something else, but I'm not going to say that on this podcast because Nick will be mad at me. Um, You've already talked about balls this episode. That's <laughs> true. Um, oh uh, yeah, this is going to be the one. This is going to be the one. <laughs> this is going to be the one. This is where we get canceled, guys. <laughs> This, this is when we get a stern talking uh, to. It was nice knowing everyone. This will be the last episode of In the Deep. Bye. Um, no, uh, I, I'm probably... I just think that there's better options out there for outfielders than Trent Grisham. I'm just like so nonplussed by pretty much everything that he's done this year. Again, like his value real life is the defense that he plays in center field. He's a great defensive center fielder. He's doing just enough on the offensive side, like getting the walks and getting on base is like good enough for him. Uh, he plays every day. Yes, like, yes. I just want him to be better. Yeah. Yeah. There's not many guys that have as much playing time as Trent Grisham that you see in our realm of players that we can talk about because usually they're putting up enough production that it's providing uh, enough value to, value to be rostered at a higher percentage, but Trent Grisham just hasn't. Um, but yeah, all right, let's go to the San Francisco Giants. Uh, start with Patrick Bailey Schwebs. Uh, he's in the lineup every day, He pl- pretty much, as, as far as catchers go. And since debuting as a rookie catcher, he's basically pacing for a 293 season with 
like 20 home runs and 100 RBI if in like a, a 600 plate appearance season, which catchers don't do. But yeah. that's just, you know, to put into perspective what he's been doing. Uh, yeah, it's he's been really good. I'm a little bit I've, I've been saying this. I, I remain worried about his plate discipline. I feel like a broken record with this stuff, but he doesn't walk enough. He strikes out too much. He walked a lot more in the minors. It's in his skill set. I'm I'm hoping that uh his strikeout and walk numbers gravitate closer to where he was in the minors than what he's displayed in the majors so far. He's been pretty rough in his last like four or five games. Hoping that's not the start of a trend. Yeah. Uh... And then uh another Giants catcher, uh Sable's Blake Sable's been playing pretty much every day versus righties since late June. And during that stretch, he has a few home runs, including a particularly impressive one off of an elevated Brian Wu fastball, which is not an easy pitch to hit. He's still a strong two-catcher catcher, even with Bailey's emergence, when he's playing. The Giants have been facing a ton of lefties lately, so Sayball has just not gotten to play that much, unfortunately. He's worth keeping an eye on for if and when they hit a stretch of right-handed uh, pitchers. Jordan, did you just yawn on my podcast? I did. I'm getting so bored listening to you talk. Unbelievable. <laughs> no, I'm just sleepy. I promise. I'm just sleepy. Um, I can't believe it. Just, just into the microphone, the man yawned. I didn't. You, you couldn't hear me yawning. Oh, I heard no, it. No, you didn't. I mean, you, you I saw it because I'm on camera, but you didn't hear it. No, I, I heard it. I heard it. I did. Oh, God. Um, Sorry, bud. Disgust, disgusting. Eh, anyways, all right, let's go to the AL. Uh, starting in the AL East. Uh, with Baltimore and Colton Kowser, uh got called up right before the All-Star break. Uh, he had started every single game uh, pretty much uh, since his call-up uh, to the point that we recorded this ep- that last episode, the lost episode. Um, since then, so since his call-up, he's reached base safely in 7 of 21 plate appearances, so 333 LBP. Um, not the best necessarily, but he has notched a run scored in each game that he has played in. I am wondering what his usage is going to look like with Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, and Aaron Hicks all healthy. Um, in the meantime, he's an interesting option considering the excellent walk rates and the pension for hitting the ball really, really hard. He's got a 50% hard hit rate over, I think it's like 10 balls put in play. Um, so obviously not a great sample size, but encouraging in what we do have. So uh, I would keep an eye out for Kowser as a potential add if yeah. he starts getting more playing time, say if like, Aaron Hicks or anyone in that outfield starts struggling. Yeah, he sat the day before the All-Star break, and he sat the day after the All-Star break, yes. which is a, a bit alarming. Yeah, so hopefully he gets some playing time here and we can get a bit of a better picture as to uh, what he has to offer. But yeah, all right, uh, let's go to Boston and start with Jaron Duran. Uh, shrubsy has got some fun facts about Duran. So this is uh, not really a fun fact if you like home runs. Uh, Jaron Duran has pulled exactly one fly ball this year. Jaron Duran is a lefty, but if you look at his spray chart, you would just assume that he was a righty. Like, I think in, in most cases, I would hate this. Like, if Max Kepler was doing this, we're going to talk about him later, I would hate it. But Jaron Duran doing it, I honestly kind of dig it, because he's a lefty hitting in... Fenway Park and he's a lefty without a lot of power hitting in Fenway Park so he's just spraying liners and opposite field fly balls towards the green monster 
and into the like the big old gaps of Fenway Park. Like I you know, he's hitting 337 with nine stolen bases since the start of June. He's getting leadoff reps and he's responded with a few monster games in the last few weeks. The one problem now remaining is that he's not getting enough playing time. He's getting sat in favor of dudes like Rob Refsnyder, which is understandable against lefties, but it's also happening sometimes against righties, and that's kind of infuriating because Refsnyder is a pure platoon bat, and I don't get why you would, I, I guess, stunt your young player's development by not playing him as much as you could, especially when he's been this good. I don't get it. Yeah. Don't particularly understand that. Uh, God, the speed's so nice. The speed is so, so nice. Um, and again, like hitting leadoff today, went, what, two for five, I think we checked on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll see. It's something to monitor over the next like week or two to see how much playing time he gets post-All-Star break. Maybe there's going to be a change and he's going to start getting more regular reps. But um, when he has been in, he's been pretty fantastic. Um, all right, let's go to the pitching side of things. Boston, Cutter Crawford. Uh, if you didn't listen to our last episode, you should go back and check out the deep dive, but the regression monster did hit Crawford hard in his last start versus the Rangers on July 5th. I think he had another one. No, he did not have another one after that uh, before the all-star break. Um, but no, he uh, got hit with the regression bug pretty hard against the Rangers. He gave up three earned runs on seven hits, uh, only making four innings before getting the hook. Uh, the Babbitt luck was not on his side in that last start, but I think a lot of that was due to the uncommon amount of hard contact to give up and again like the rangers offense the entire season has been an absolute monster so you can't really knock someone like cutter crawford for getting uh pushed around a little bit in that start um i'm still super into him his next start is on sunday against the cubs and i would absolutely be sending him out against that cubs offense even though they've looked a lot better as of late you know i'm a big cutter guy Mm -hmm. uh yeah he's been fantastic uh I can't remember. There was there, yeah. there was like a stat that I looked up, like his ERA from like the beginning of June, maybe it was. It was kind of stupidly excellent, and I cannot recall exactly what it was that I pulled up. I looked at it before the podcast and forgot to write it down. But um, yeah, he's been a wonderful, wonderful addition to a couple of my different teams. Um, all right, I'm 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 really excited for next week's episode when we actually have like starting pitcher schedules again. Right. Yeah, because we have ideas of who's going to be where right now and. It'll be nice to see where people are at post All-Star break, but, uh, oh, gosh. Yeah, there's going to be a a few that we're talking about for the Tigers later that I'm kind of interested in talking about. But anyways, uh, let's go to New York and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. I hate IKF. I I have an irrational hatred of IKF. Part of it is because I, I, I really dislike, for some reason, the archetype of, like, the catcher that doesn't play catcher and he has value just because he has the catcher position like IKF, like uh Sable, like Varsho for a little while there. Like I, I don't know. I, I, it's an irrational thing. I just don't get, I, I don't know why I dislike it so much, but uh, man, IKF has actually been legit good for like four or five weeks now hitting 280 with a couple of home runs, four stolen bases and a, you know, a, a decent number of, runs an RBI since the start of June for for uh low in the order hitter. He's been a fu- he's been a fun little glue guy lately, but he is kind of losing some playing time to Billy McKinney, so s- s- something worth noting, but he's not the worst option out there if you if you 
need a uh, utility guy for your team. Yeah, I dig that. Um, gosh, I feel like no matter where I go in this podcast, I'm always finding Brewers old friends, including Billy McKinney. Matt's old friend for you too. Well, yep, he was fun for a little while. He had, he he will go on like a week long stretch where it seems like you can't get him out. He had his moment and has his moments and will continue to have his moments. Um, oh gosh, speaking of like frustrating players. <laughs> Here's here's my weekly rant about Jose Siri. Yep. Please, mom, stop the ride. I I would like to get off. I'm 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 not over sweetie, it, but sweetie, man, sweetie, would you rather go on the Nick Magical roller coaster? We have Jose Siri at home, and it's Drew Waters. Uh, I just Jose Siri is wildly frustrating to roster, but he still has six home runs, a couple steals, and 26 runs in RBI since the start of June, and for a cold streak. Like to to be on a cold streak and still put up like quality numbers like that, like it just shows yeah. the talent he has. He might never have another hot streak like he did earlier in the year, and that would just add to the frustration. But you know, you're you're gonna want him if he does have another hot streak in him. Had someone offer me him in a trade, and I'm Dude, his ratio, his, his like rate stats are so bad. My, my my average is already so bad in that league. Otherwise, I would probably take the stab at him, but. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move to the AL Central then. Let's talk about uh, Detroit. We got a number of names that we want to cover here, uh, starting with Tarek Skubal. Um, so he struck out six in his four-inning pitch outing in his first start back just before the All-Star break. Uh, he also got another strong outing with five strikeouts and four innings pitched against the Blue Jays, uh, both of those scoreless outings. He's going to get major innings for the remainder of 2023, and I goofed incredibly hard not putting a, competi- a competitive bid on him in TGFBI. I'm, I'm so mad I missed yeah. him. His Velo's up. He looks great. Yeah, he's looked fantastic so far. Uh, I think probably, like, for, for me, I'm really, really annoyed because I feel like this could be the type of move that would have been, like, a league winner. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty disappointed. Basically, what we're saying is get, add him. If he's, if add he's him still now. there, add him, um, for sure. Um, all right, let's uh, then go to Spencer Torkelson, Schwebzy. And I've been calling Torque a stash for like three months now. He's felt like he's on the cusp of a breakout for so long, but he just has not been able to put it together for any substantial length of time. I don't know if it's bad luck, bad ballpark, bad vibes, bad coaching, tweaking his swing. I, I don't know. But he, it, he he does have like six home runs in the last few weeks. You know, he's still he is still... You know he's he's still barreling the ball at a decent enough rate. I just I don't I I just don't know if I believe that the uh, the breakout is going to come this year at this point. I mean he's on a six game hitting streak right now, dating back to before the All Star break. Hit safely in eleven of his last twelve with four home runs during that time. He's been really good lately. I mean there's a chance that I mean hopefully maybe we're seeing it, but also <laughs> say you're so you're saying there's a chance. I think that there might be a chance. Because you said that there wasn't specifically. Yeah, I mean he he's hitting three hundred over his last uh, forty plate appearances, and it's only what uh, what is that twenty six percent strikeout rate in that time. Yeah. He does he does look good lately. He does look good lately. So maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm doing that classic thing where I've given up like just a little bit too early. It's either you give up too early and you're wrong, or you hold on for some to someone. Hoping that they're going to turn it around and they just tank your ratios, aka me, me yeah. with Alec Manoa. Yep. Uh, 
but yes uh <laughs> moving on to a tiger i do like <laughs> uh prior to the all-star break matt veerling had been hitting 364 with a 12% walk rate and only a 14.3% k rate we we love that plate discipline folks and he had three home runs with 22 runs in RBI and a steal. He, he's good. Like, that's it. He's He doesn't hit with enough power or run consistently enough to be... I, like, I don't think he's like... A, I don't think he's like a 2020 threat. I think he could be a 15-15 guy. Maybe 2020 if he actually got like a full season. Sure. But yeah, he, he's got enough power and speed to matter. The average won't kill you. The, the rate stats are good in general. He's a he's a really quality I I like I said about uh IKF. He's a really quality glue guy. He's going to do just a little bit in every category plus his solid batting average. Dig it. All right. Uh and then there's Kerry Carpenter. Um I think you wrote this one up, Schwabs. Yeah, I mean, he he hits barrels. That's what he yeah. does. Uh his playing time has been too inconsistent for me. That's the big problem at this point. But that's partially because the Tigers faced a ton of lefties leading up to the All-Star break. Uh, I am concerned because he also sat against a righty. And yeah, he did come back and immediately hit a two-run shot against Luis Castillo today. But I'm, I'm starting to be concerned about the playing time. For sure. <laughs> the, it's funny, like we, we get mad about teams like w- when the Giants are overcrowded because they have too many good platoon guys. Like the the Tigers are like that, but mid. It's like so many of their platoon guys are only like okay. Yeah, it's very hard. Uh, we'd be very, very almost lucky in a way to find the uh, the value in these guys, which is kind of a bummer. Um, just because of how heavily they get platooned and just how intermittent their benched. Yeah, how intermittent their playing time seems to be. Um. All right, uh, and then two more pitchers to cover for the Tigers. Uh, Reese Olsen, his volume feels a bit low um, as of late. Uh, he had a very, very short start right, right before the All-Star break. Um, but he's feasted on lesser offenses. So like Minnesota, Kansas City, and Oakland, he had really, really solid starts against. And I think he could be a good streamer, particularly at home in Detroit, which is a more pitcher-friendly park. Um he lines up to face Seattle, I think it's on Sunday, and then the Padres in his next two outings. So Seattle for me is a maybe. I'm probably into that one uh, if you really are desperate for a streamer, but I'm very likely fading the the Padres start. That offense seems to be clicking a lot more as of late, so I'm probably fading that one. But I do think that Reese Olsen could be a decent streamer. Um, and then Matt Manning, he recently returned from injury, much like Scooble. He's made three starts to varying degrees of success uh, returning from injury after making, I think it was just two starts at the beginning of this year before going on the IL. Um, One of those starts that he made since his return did include uh, being part of a combined no-hitter where he struck out five and walked three. Um, All this to say, I'm still not a huge fan. Like, in that combined no-hitter outing, he had an XFIP of, like, 5.5. Or something like that. Like he was giving up a decent amount of hard contact. I personally think that I'm more interested in both Scooble and Olsen as uh, pitching pieces from the Tigers than I am Manning. Um, probably in that order. It'd be Scooble, Olsen, and then Manning. Um, but again, he could be a fine streamer if you really, really need one that bad badly. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not 
really a big Manning guy. Yeah. Like it's I I just wish he could get some of his velo back from when he was a when he was a younger prospect. Yeah. Kind of a bummer. Uh and then speaking of someone with not that much velo, um, Schwebsey, you want to talk about Ryan Yarbrough? Got maybe the least velo. Yeah. Ryan Yarbrough has a an eighty three stuff plus rating and a 103 location plus rating which kind of just like that just tells you the whole story right yeah, like pretty much he's he's getting by with location guile and uh bad stuff he's been good lately but his margin for error is razor thin i want him to be good because he's unique and fun but you have to be choosy in when you deploy him and and never expect too many strikeouts yeah exactly i mean he just came back uh i think he had a bunch of rehab outings and made his first start and his first start back six inning pitched very good start um but yeah that's stuff rating i lump him in with someone that i know that chubsy and i talked to before the podcast started because it's someone who's i mean also way 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 down there on the stuff plus leaderboard and that's kyle Hendricks. yeah kyle Hendricks is literally dead last in stuff plus at like 59 which is unfathomably low yeah. uh yeah I don't know. Like I, the Yarbrough does have the advantage of pitching in that cavernous ballpark. True, so he's, yeah. he's got that going for him. Yeah, there's definitely interesting stuff about Yarbrough. I mean, obviously, like locating your pitch as well is important too. Um, Yarbrough does an excellent job of that. But yeah, I think I just fade someone like this personally. Um, all right, let's go to Minnesota and Kenta Maeda. Uh, he looked up until he got kind of knocked around today by Oakland. Um, really really good in his three starts uh after returning from the il on june 23rd uh he had 21 strikeouts and three earned runs over 17 innings pitched and the limited workload that he has had up until this point since he's been rehabbing should mean that he's allowed to run out there every time his turn in the rotation comes up through the end of the season so i think he's definitely worth an add and like even again like he got knocked around today by oakland you absolutely start him every single time in that situation um I'm always down for that. Um, I think he's got a lot more upside than your average sub 20% dude that you'll find out there on the waiver wire. So, Yeah, I'm with you there. And on the offensive side of things, Max Kepler is doing that thing again where he makes himself attractive, stupid, sexy Kepler. Uh, He is pulling 29% of his fly balls this year, which is up from 21% in 2022. And it's a lot closer to his 21 season when he pulled 37% of his fly balls. This is important for him. I I mentioned this before when we were talking about Duran. Pulling fly balls is important for power hitters unless you're like truly elite and hitting balls out to all fields. Kepler hits dingers when he pulls fly balls. He doesn't hit dingers when he doesn't. I'm cautiously optimistic here because there is a change in batted ball uh, distribution. I've been deploying him as a platoon bat in the new league that Jordan and I participate in with a bunch of other fantasy podcasts like uh, Sleeper in the Bust and, oh God, uh, Rates and Barrels uh, and a couple of Pitcher List podcasts. And uh, it's been working out. He's been hitting really well against righties as he is wont to do. And getting back his power stroke a little bit has been really great for him. And speaking of getting back power strokes... Edward Julian finally broke out of his power slump the other day. He's been mostly two true outcomes since getting back to the majors. 
but the twins have faced a ton of lefties lately, so Julien's playing time has stagnated a little bit. Hopefully when they face some righties again, he can get rolling and the Twins can stop playing Kyle Farmer so much because Kyle Farmer is very unexciting and Julianne actually has some upside. Uh, the Twins team is kind of like Detroit in that they're they're very frustrating from a fantasy perspective and uh, their their playing time is a little inconsistent. A lot of platoon guys here, but I'm, I'm hoping, I, I still think that Julianne is a more interesting uh, player from a fantasy perspective than a lot of the guys they're running out. Yeah. Uh... And speaking of uh, folks with uh, platoon roles or like questionable playing time, uh, Willie Castro is someone I still like a decent amount. Uh, he's shockingly, at least to me, retained a decent amount of his playing time as of late. He's hitting fifth against lefties and seventh against right-handed pitchers for the most part. Uh, he cooled off considerably since his hot stretch in like late May, early June. That said, he's still not the worst option. I mean, the one huge draw for me particularly is the fact that he's eligible at third base and outfield. Um, but there's probably more reliable, like steadier playing time options out there that you can grab, uh, aside from Willie Castro. So I'd maybe look elsewhere, but I will say that the dual eligibility makes him, uh, a nice little piece to have on your bench as a hitting streamer. Yeah. And that wraps up the AL central moving on to the AL West and our final division. Oh my God. We've been at this for an hour and 20 minutes. Okay. Let's uh, go. Yaner Diaz. Yaner Diaz in Houston. Can you say uh, that again? When I Yaner Diaz? No. What team does he play for? In Houston. Continue. I'm gonna be a New Yorker and call it Houston. Oh god. Anyways. When I was looking up Mickey Moniac's uh, atrocious chase rates, I happened to notice that Yaner Diaz is right next to him, which is not a good thing. But the bat-to-ball skills here are pretty good, so as long as Diaz is getting a lot of playing time, he's worth rostering in two catcher leagues, and probably one catcher leagues. Right now, Diaz is playing way more than your average catcher given his DH uh, role. He's only gotten two days off since the 16th of June, so we're talking a month now where this you know ostensible catcher has only gotten two days off. That's pretty steady. That's steadier than every other, pretty much every other catcher you're going to find, aside from maybe like Patrick Bailey at this point. Uh, I don't know how many days off he's gotten, but um, yeah, you love to see that. Super good value in terms of like just accumulated plate appearances. Um, all right, uh, Shrubsy, what about uh, Corey Jelks? Uh, isn't this your guy? I thought this was your guy. It has your, it has, uh, oh wait, no, this is my guy. Haha, ha, never mind, sorry. Uh, <laughs> so he has started. Ha He he has started in uh, nine of ten. And while I'm worried about what happens when uh, Jordan Alvarez and Jose Altuve inevitably return, um, for now he's been a really really productive hitter. He's coming off a recent stretch of four straight multi hit efforts. Uh, not a ton of power necessarily, but the average OBP runs, RBIs, and stolen bases all have been there uh, for Jokes since Av- Alvarez went down on June 9th. So I mean, a great replacement. I know he's out there. Uh, for auction in a few different leagues that I'm in right now. Um, so folks are definitely starting to take notice and grab uh, him until both those guys, both Alvarez and El Tube, come back healthy. So, Yeah, you know, what happened was you wrote the blurb, and then I, I looked it over. I, I had some edits for you. 
I, I just I just didn't I, I had to do some rewording, so some some restructuring. I didn't think I didn't think it was a very good blurb, Jordan. I'm bad at my job, is what Trubby's saying. No, the the stats changed since I'm last since the blurb was I'm written. Just, I'm just kidding. This isn't a job. Um, Jordan is the Jordan is the editor of the group. Uh, so in the outfield, Chaz McCormick has started eight out of nine games and has a 149 WRC plus since the start of the since the start of June. That's really good. Keep playing him. Please, let's yeah. forget Jake Myers exists for a little bit. Uh, he's playing like the best version of himself lately, and he's pacing for a very quiet 15-15 season with a 120 WRC+. He could get to 20-20 if they actually continue playing him every day. And who would have pegged Chaz McCormick for a 20-20 season at the start of the year? Surprising production. The rate stats are better than expected as well. He's just he's playing like the best version of himself. I'm, I'm loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Brandon Chaz McDonald's <laughs> actually that worked out kind of well <laughs> wow uh all right and then let's go to Brandon Belak. uh Shwebzy, I think you wrote this one up as well yeah uh this one's easy he's doing well lately I don't buy it I trust the Houston pitching machine Houston pitching machine but I just don't think that the skills here support the surface numbers. It's too many walks. It's not enough strikeouts, and the ball gets hit way too hard, way too frequently. I'm I'm out on Bialik in 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 spite of the recent hot streak. Big same. Uh, all right, let's go to what about Oakland? And you also have Tony Kemp here, Schwebzy. Yeah, Kemp has struck out like five whole times since the start of June, which is going back like six weeks now. Actually, it might be one or two more uh, since I, I did. I don't think I updated this blur properly, but he's barely striking out. You get the gist. He started playing regularly again on June 15th, and he has quietly put up a 313 batting average with five steals and a couple of dingers in that time frame with 15 runs, which is some really that's some quality three category production coming from second base and a couple of home runs thrown into boot. I'm I'm confused and concerned because at at this exact moment because after starting 17 straight he has now sat in two out of three, in spite of that aforementioned hot streak. I'm not sure what's up with that. There may there may be like a minor injury here, but it's gonna well, warrant uh mo- monitoring. They called up. Well, the Oakland A's called up uh, Geloff and oh and God. Soderstrom. Tyler Soderstrom. Yeah. So I mean Tyler Soder stream. God, shut up. Um but yeah, with both of them being called up, I mean Geloff specifically. Uh I believe is a second baseman. And that's what Kemp played, so I think that maybe that might be part of it, but it's we'll 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 yeah, wait and see what happens I mean, over the next few days. There's there again, we are and, one game into the post All Star break stretch, so um things are going to change dramatically over the, the coming weeks. And I mean, I'm actually glad you mentioned Soderstrom and Geloff because they could both have fantasy relevance. Uh, Soderstrom is, is kind of like, I, I feel like he's just like a Langoliers clone and mm. that he's going to hit some dingers and not hit for very good batting average. Uh, it's, it's very, I, I feel like this could just wind up being another Chaz McCormick, Jake Meyer situation where the Oakland just has two of the exact same player, but you know, we're, we're going to have to see how that playing time situation breaks down. Whereas, uh, Geloff, I, I think is, might wind up being one of those better in real life than fantasy players. Mm-hmm. We, 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 we have to see if the, uh, the strong plate skills translate to uh, any sort of fantasy production there. 
Dig it. All right, uh, let's go to Seattle, Schwebs. But J.P. Crawford. Yeah, J J.P. Crawford is in the midst of a 10-game hitting streak where we've seen two dingers and 12 runs in RBI. And in that time frame, has he also has four doubles and two home runs. So with a, that's a casual 615 slugging percentage over those uh, 10 games, which for J.P. Crawford might as well be 1,000. Uh, he's firmly entrenched in the leadoff spot, and he should be a fixture in any OBP league with the 14, almost 15% walk rate that he's putting up. And he's he's actually heading towards a career high in home runs. You know, yeah, he's, been, he's, he's, he's been selling out for more power this year. Yeah, he's done some work to add some power to his game. And, you know, he's, he's never going to be Joey Gallup, folks. But that doesn't mean he can't contribute 12, 15 home runs to your team's total. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I think we finally made it to the end of the episode. Almost here, Schwabs. We got one more team to go here. That's the Texas Rangers and Travis Jankowski. Would you folks believe that Travis Jankowski is playing absolutely out of his mind right now? Because I was shocked when I looked at the numbers, and I, I pay way too much attention to baseball, and I looked at this, and I was, like, stunned. Uh, he won't continue to be this good. I, I won't allow it. I refuse to believe it. Uh, I won't allow Like, I could do something about it. Uh, he's walking 13% of the time. He's only striking out 14% of the time. And he's running, as he has wont to do. He, he's always been a, a base stealer. And he's running while getting on base at a 4.14 rate, which is elite. Unfortunately for us, he is not playing often enough for us to take advantage of this white-hot streak. Uh, the one caveat that I will add here is that Robbie Grossman doesn't deserve the amount of playing time that he's getting. So if Jankowski were to get Grossman's playing time going forward, Jankowski would suddenly become a lot more interesting, especially in that insane lineup that the Rangers are putting out there every day. Absolutely. Uh, man, and what a lineup to be in if you're having a hot streak. Right. Like, I think they're still probably like just I'm not looking at this right now. I don't have the my browser window up, but. I would assume that that Texas Rangers offense is still probably tops in the league, if not like top three. With Tampa base lumping, probably Tampa lumping. And then also, I mean, Atlanta has been absurd too. I would, I would assume that it's those three are the top three in the league. If I had to take a stab at it, just completely in the dark. Um, but yeah. <sighs> Rangers number one by a hefty margin. Yeah. That's kind of what I thought. Uh, Rangers, Braves, Dodgers, Rays, then Reds. That's Red Reds number five. Look at that. That's wild. That's pretty wild. I dig that. Neg still a negative run differential. Yeah, nature of how bad their pitching was earlier in the year, plus the home park. Thanks, Graham Ashcraft. Yeah. Well, I mean, Nick Lodolo too. Yeah, a little bit there. Brandon, Brandon, Brandon Williamson, Luke Weaver. There's a lot of culprits there's there. There's a lot of people to blame. That can be spread around. Uh, Shrubsy, it's been over an hour and a half, and I think we finally did it. Oh Good my job. God. Go team. Uh, that'll be it for this week's episode of In the Deep. Thank you all for joining us once again. We appreciate it. Uh, if you want to keep in touch with us and follow what we're up to, you can follow our shared podcast account. That's at In the Deep PL. You can also follow us individually. You can find Shrubsy on Twitter at Shrubsy. That's S H W E B S I. And then myself at Bunt Singles. You can also follow me on Blue Sky if you're on there. I'm Bunt Singles on there as well. And I think Shrubsy, you have a Blue Sky now too, correct? I believe it's pronounced Blue Ski. Yes, shooting off 
never mind <laughs> if you if you want to skeet me i i am also on blue sky <laughs> yeah if you, if you want to skeet with us um it's not it's not dirty that's what they call it that's that's officially that's officially what the the uh, tweets of blue sky are called this is this if you, you want to skeet me on blue ski this is absolutely what gets our podcast canceled this will be the episode if if or or if 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 no one does say anything then th- that being you know we've just started down a slippery slippery slope towards cancellation we're gonna make it baby we're just gonna we're just gonna push the boundaries now <laughs> it's time all right bad boy black sheep of pitcher list bad boy black. engage bad boy black sheep that's what i think of every time yeah i mean that's what we are we're very clearly the weirdos of the of the network no i feel like it it makes me think of um uh the the children's rhyme bad boy black sheep of the pitcher list have you any takes yes that should can we make that our new theme song bad boy black sheep have you any takes only if we sing it and that's it it's just us singing it i have, I have a guitar I'll, I'll write up a little little I have ditty three guitars i don't know how to play it's fine okay anyways bye see you next week <laughs> bye friends <laughs> <laughs>